recently took on a wonderful new client. She works in media and advertising and has an amazing CV full of really exciting and clearly challenging roles and companies. She's been working her bottom off for over, what, 12 years now and has been mainly focused on achieving success in her career, which she is doing a brilliant job at. Along the way, I guess she's admitted she hasn't been super committed to her overall health and well-being. Yes, she's dipped in and out of fitness classes and on and off going to the gym and eating quote-unquote healthy, yoga, pilates, but it's been inconsistent over the years, a bit on and off. She's currently at a weight that she doesn't feel is anything too, too bad, but she told me that she would like to tone up and feel fitter. When I dug a bit deeper as to why, and we were kind of identifying what her deeper goals are, she talked about how she feels stressed or kind of on high alert most of the time, and she thinks it's draining her. There's also a family history of high blood pressure and other heart-related diseases, and she doesn't want to end up kind of suffering like that. So for her, this journey she's on is not only about improving how she feels now, it's also about setting future her up for a, a happier and more fulfilled life. High blood pressure, otherwise known as hypertension, is basically when the pressure in your blood vessels is too high. In most cases, there isn't a specific reason or cause of the high blood pressure, but most people kind of develop it because of a combination of their diet, their lifestyle, or family histories or pre-existing medical conditions. And it's unfortunately pretty common across the gen pop. I read that an estimated 1.28 billion adults aged between 30 and 79 years worldwide have hypertension, with many people being unaware of it and it going kind of undiagnosed, partly because it can be asymptomatic and the only way to know is to check yourself or get your blood pressure checked by a healthcare professional. But from some of the research and studies I've read, what I found most striking and alarming is that black women are twice as likely as their white counterparts to have high blood pressure when they are between the ages of 20 and 50 years old. And it's black women who have the highest rates of hypertension compared with women from all other racial and ethnic groups. Now, I'm Afro-Caribbean on my mum's side. Many of the wonderful women I coach identify as black or mixed with black. So this is super important to me on multiple levels. Do you know any people with high blood pressure? Do you have any family members with high blood pressure? In this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about hypertension, but specifically how I coach my clients, and especially if you identify as a black woman or a woman of color, to kind of minimize the risks. And in doing so, how you can potentially break some of those intergenerational kind of family patterns of high blood pressure. If you are a returning listener, Welcome back, know that I see and appreciate you. And if you are a new listener, a massive welcome. I would love for you to stick around. Let's get stuck into episode 23 of The Weiwei Podcast, A Diary of Another CEO. High 
high blood pressure, otherwise known as hypertension, is basically when the pressure in your blood vessels is too high. As I mentioned in the opening, hypertension is unfortunately pretty common, though many, as I said, are di undiagnosed because high blood pressure itself doesn't necessarily have symptoms. For some people, a cause of high blood pressure can be found, and this is known as secondary hypertension. Examples include kidney disease or diabetes, um, a condition called obstructive sleep apnea, which can lead to kind of disturbed sleep, and even some medicines such as oral contraceptives. Now, whilst everyone's blood pressure is gonna be slightly different and what's considered low or high for you may be normal for someone else, and that's really important to remember, but I guess things to be aware of that might make you more at risk of hypertension are if you have someone in your family with high blood pressure, if you eat a lot of salty foods, if you're not regularly exercising or intentionally kind of moving your body, if you have a higher body fat percentage overall, if you are experiencing or deal with a lot of stress, if you're someone who smokes and drinks alcohol, and also if you're over the age of 65, you might be more at risk. I mean, kind of the standard ones really, and some of those aren't in our direct control. But what this doesn't necessarily take into account is intersectionality, right? For example, why do black women specifically have the highest rates of hypertension and highest risks of hypertension in comparison to other ethno-racial counterparts? It's like similarly to the statistics around women and childbirth with black women being up to four times more likely to die during childbirth than their white counterparts. These health disparities have persisted and been documented for decades longer even, yet here we still are. Now, I definitely don't have all the answers, but for me, this is far more to do with health inequalities and inequities than it is anything to do with, for example, black women being inherently less healthy. After all, race is a social construct rather than anything genetically based. What do we know about whether and how additional, for example, race-related stressors, tokenism, code switching, general kind of awareness and vigilance and the kind, let's not forget the strong black woman trope, might enhance the risk for hypertension and other forms of like adverse cardiovascular outcomes. Not enough research or studies have been done in my opinion on this. As women, we're already dealing with multiple daily stressors and societal pressures. So whether that's things at work, at home, family and caring responsibilities, etc., etc. And then you layer things like quote unquote race on top of that and or things like class or socioeconomic status. And it's like a perfect storm for burnout where you're not feeling able or empowered to prioritize one's health and then kind of continuing down this vicious spiral or accepting plodding along will do, just hoping for the best. But back to hypertension specifically, and the reality is that if your blood pressure is high, it is gonna be putting extra strain on blood vessels, the heart and other organs like the brain, the kidneys, the eyes. Okay, so what's considered high blood pressure? Well, blood pressure is the pressure inside our arteries, which makes the blood flow around the body. 
and it's measured in millimeters of mercury or mmHg and has two numbers, right? So the systolic pressure, which is the higher number, this is when the heart contracts to pump blood around the body and the diastolic pressure or the lower number when the heart relaxes between beats. As I said before, everyone's blood pressure will be slightly different and what's considered low or high for you may be completely normal for someone else. Generally speaking, quote unquote ideal or like healthy blood pressure is usually considered to be between 90 over 60 and 120 over 80. And high blood pressure is considered to be upwards from 140 over 90. Blood pressure readings anywhere in between, so from about 121 over 81 to 139 over 89 could mean you're at risk of developing high blood pressure. And persistent high blood pressure can then increase our risk of a number of kind of other serious health conditions. So heart attacks, stroke, heart disease, even heart failure, kidney disease. So if you do have high blood pressure, reducing it even a small amount can actually help lower your risk of all of these kind of health conditions. So what can we do to minimize the risks of hypertension and therefore these health conditions? Well, mainly it comes down to lifestyle changes or tweakments, as I like to call them, because I feel like it's less drastic, to help prevent and lower high blood pressure. The main things being nutrition and activity levels. So eating tons of veggies, whole grain carbohydrates and enough protein, reducing the amount of salt that you eat, potentially cutting back on alcohol. Though I don't encourage my clients to cut this out completely if it is something that they enjoy in moderation. I talk more about alcohol in relation to health and fitness goals in my last podcast episode. So go and check it out if you haven't already. And then as well as the nutrition side of things, it's regular consistent exercise or movement-based activities. So yeah, making some dietary tweakments and increasing overall activity levels has been proven to help improve blood pressure. And it may sound super simple, but as with most of our health markers, what and how much we eat in relation to and in balance with how much we move and exercise are really just big determinants of our overall health and not just physical, but also our mental well-being. And this is really important because it, this includes how we're then able to handle and deal with stress, which let's face it, is always gonna feature. <laughs> this is where I would say mindfulness practices can also help because when we're stressed constantly, our body's nervous system is in this constant state of fight or flight, right? We're on edge. And if we're here for too long, for long extended periods of time, without any of that rest and recharge in between, that's when the stress can wreak havoc on our physical health and mental well-being and can potentially lead us to burnout. And if you want a general framework to help prevent and manage burnout, check out episode 19 of my podcast in which I talk through something called the 3M framework. But yeah, by introducing some mindfulness practices into daily, weekly routines, even just taking a moment to do five deep long hold breaths without any distraction or doing five minutes of journaling, like it doesn't need to be some hour-long yoga class or a month sabbatical, although that sounds lovely. But doing these little things daily and weekly can really help counterbalance stress, help manage symptoms of depression and anxiety, 
and reduce the potentiality of things like high blood pressure. Let's face it, there are definitely challenges and barriers women, especially women of color, face when it comes to optimizing their own physical health and well-being. As well as the kind of stereotypical gender roles that we have to contend with, there are socioeconomic factors, healthcare biases, whether someone's even got access to quality, culturally competent and trauma-informed healthcare, I mean, that is an absolute blessing and privilege in itself. But while some of us might have some extra odds stacked against us, and yeah, this can make it easier to kind of slip into that, well, why even bother? Or a scarcity mindset. I personally advocate for more of an abundancy mindset. So in this way, I mean, focusing on controlling what we can control, what's within our power and capacity to do, that's gonna help us feel the best we can, not just for ourselves, but so that we can show up even better for those around us that we care about. This is how we become a better friend, a better partner, a better parent. This is how I coach my clients, taking into consideration the unique kind of cocktail of challenges and demands of their lifestyle that they might face and focusing them on what can be done rather than what cannot. Anyone who knows me or works with me knows that my kind of mission is to help as many women and especially women of color improve their health markers as well as their self-confidence. And I might not be able to change entire systems of inequality and inequity, but my hope is to empower women to at least feel more in control and on top of their own physical health and, and mental well-being. So I really do encourage listeners, especially those of you who might identify as a woman of color, to check your blood pressure regularly, either yourself or by a healthcare professional if you have access to one, because this is about advocating for your own health and then how that snowballs positively in terms of impact across our wider communities. But in the meantime, by making small kind of lifestyle tweakments, it is possible to lower your blood pressure and keep it at a quote unquote healthy level. Being intentional about what and how much you're eating and staying as active as possible are the kind of two main variables that I would say are super important. And you'll feel the benefits right away with kind of improved sleep, more energy and a better mood. But it's one thing knowing what to do and another thing implementing it, right? And that is where my online fitness and lifestyle coaching comes in because you get the expertise, the structure, the guidance from me. But most importantly, I provide the encouragement and the accountability that could just be the difference between progress and stagnation or falling off the wagon. I get it and I see it all the time. It is all too easy for us to deprioritize our own selves and our own well-being, especially when you've got, I don't know, big projects at work that you're trying to smash to prove your capabilities uh, to your boss or you have family to take care of. There are always gonna be so many other things to focus on, but I'm there to kind of keep you on track to progress towards your health and fitness goals and ultimately enjoy a happier, more balanced and fulfilled life. So if you're interested in signing up for my one-to-one -one coaching, or maybe you've got questions about what online coaching actually entails, drop me a DM. All my contact info is in the show notes. But until next time, folks, peace, joy, blessings to you all.